This morning, uh, we are starting a, a series um, that we are calling Freedom, and I am a tad bit thrilled in looking forward to uh, this series together. We're going to camp, spend our time over the next number of weeks in Galatians chapter 5, just discovering what it looks like to live in freedom just a little bit more. Um, I know all of us look super Super fantastic this morning, by the way. You're sitting next to people who are dressed up really well and deodorized, at least I I hope. Uh, But when we get into a venue like this, it is very easy to forget that we are all a bunch of people who really could use a little more freedom in our lives. And all the teenagers said, amen, and we like this guy. Um, but, but we are, and if, if this were a safe place to us, and if this were a place in which we all felt free to be a little bit vulnerable, I'm sure we would all be able to talk about at least one area in our lives where we would say, I need a little more freedom. One area in our lives in which we would say, I just can't. I just can't say no to that thing. I just can't say no to that impulse. I just, I can't. I just can't love this person. It's not that I don't think I should or don't know I should, but I just, I I can't. I just cannot forgive. I just can't release this bitterness that I've been holding Onto. I just can't ignore that text every time it comes in. I just can't say no at the end of a long day to over drinking a little bit. I just, I just can't. I'm sure if this were a safe and vulnerable place, we would all talk about at least one area in our lives where we just can't. I know it's hurting me, and I know it runs the risk of hurting the people in the world around me. I know I shouldn't, but I just can't stop. Oh, I know I ought to do this more, to step into more of this, and it will breed and bring about more life, but I just, I can't. And I trust we would all admit that we need just a little bit more of what freedom means and looks like in our lives, in which case the book of Galatians is a great book for us. Um, We're going to spend some time uh, getting to know this book uh, a little bit. Uh, This book, the book uh, of Galatians, is the ninth book um, in the New Testament, and it was penned by the Apostle Paul, Paul, who wrote about 40% of the New Testament, this book was originally a letter, a letter that was written to a group of local churches in the province of Galatia. Galatia was kind of like a, a province that belonged to the then Roman Empire. And um, as history goes, at some point, the Apostle Paul went to that region and he met this group of pagans who knew nothing about religion, couldn't care much about religion, and he shared with them the life-transforming, life-changing message of Jesus Christ, offering them his forgiveness and offering them his freedom. And this group of uneducated, unsophisticated people just drank it in. They believed and readily embraced the God gospel of Jesus and started to live in enjoying forgiveness and started to live in enjoying freedom. Uh, A little bit after that, a group of detractors show up in that province, that region. 
And this group starts to throw shade on the Apostle Paul. They start to question his authority as an apostle. Who is he anyway? He wasn't one of the twelve. He never really even journeyed or hang out with Jesus. So who is he? And then they started to question the authenticity of the message that he had shared with them. And this gospel, I mean, come on. Do you really think it can be exactly what he said? We're questioning that, and so we're going to introduce this new version of the gospel. Now, unfortunately for this a group of people. They were unsophisticated. They didn't know much. They didn't grow up in the church. Uh, they weren't super religious, so they had no means by which to determine who's right, who's wrong. We don't know. And that confusion started to run the risk of threatening their enjoyment of freedom that they had just embraced in the person of Jesus Christ. Word gets back to the Apostle Paul. Hey, that group that you love, that group of churches that you share the gospel with is under threat because of this group who's sharing this rogue gospel with them. And Paul hears that and he gets fired up. And so he pens this letter to them to plead with them, do not relinquish the freedom you found in the person of Jesus Christ. And as Paul transfers to them some of these truths, some of these, these messages, this teaching, we thousands of years later want to kind of eavesdrop and plagiarize some of those truths so we too can learn what does it look like to continue to stand in and enjoy and live in the freedom that's ours in Jesus, even under the threat of detractors or the threat of anyone or anything else that would pull us away from it. And so we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, just learning lessons in enjoying and experiencing a little more freedom along with the Galatians. So if you have a copy of the Bible, I'd encourage you, please um, join me in Galatians chapter 5. Again, the ninth book in uh, the New Testament. We are going to spend our time just working through Galatians chapter 5. And over the course of this series, we're going to get to know the Galatians uh, a little bit more. Um, but this morning, we just want to spend some time in verse 1, um, which is really not just the header, not just the banner statement for this chapter, but it is in essence the banner statement for the entire book of Galatians. So Galatians chapter 1. By the way, I know you students are out of school and you miss having a little bit of homework, but this is going to be a great verse for us to memorize together, and we have a number of weeks um, in which to do that. Um, very simple, very powerful verse. And our desire is that as we step into this chapter and as we step into what Paul's teaching, that we would find ourselves stepping into a little more of the freedom that's ours in the person of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Up on the screen, as you can see, if you don't own a physical copy of the Bible, we would love to get one into your hands. Please give us an excuse. Um, stop by the connection corner right outside those back doors at the end of the service and just ask somebody for one. Um, would love to get the Word of God into your hands. Again, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what it says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke 
of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The banner statement of this chapter, and arguably of the entire book of Galatians. Paul's chief concern as he writes this letter, as he pens these words to his friends in the province of Galatia, is that they would continue to experience and enjoy freedom. And we want to do the same. Freedom. Um, Freedom um, is the ability to do what you want. Freedom. The ability to do what you want. That's what freedom means, by the way. I know you're disappointed. I'm a little disappointed because, you know, we're hoping for some really deeper, theologically profound definition of freedom. But nope. Freedom is when I'm no longer restricted from or obligated to do anything. It's freedom. When I can choose what I want, freedom. When my decisions are no longer dictated, freedom. And I don't know if you knew this, but your soul was designed to breathe in and thrive in the air of freedom. That's what your soul was created to live and thrive in, in a state where it is unshackled from restriction and unshackled from obligation, where you could do as you choose. Meaning, and we'll talk about this obviously over the course of our our time in this chapter, but if there's a place in your life, if there is a relationship in your life, in which you feel obligated or restricted to have to do certain things that you would otherwise choose not to, let me tell you, your freedom is being threatened and your soul is suffocating, longing to stretch out because it was designed to thrive in a space of freedom. If there is a thing or a person in your world that you cannot say no to, your soul is gasping for air, longing to be free. And so Paul is penning this letter furiously because as is true for us thousands of years removed, it was true for them. The freedom of his friends in the region and the province of Galatia is under threat. There are things sneaking in and pulling them into spaces of obligation and restriction 
And Paul gets fired up over that. And so in this chapter, he teaches them and in turn teaches us some beautiful truths about freedom. Truths, again, that we want to plagiarize shamelessly and apply to our own lives so that our souls might breathe and thrive as they were designed And so this week, we're going to look at just a a few principles, three principles that emerge um, from Galatians chapter 1 that will help us start to take steps towards a little more freedom, towards our souls breathing a little more as they were designed to. And I trust that as we step into this space, maybe for some of us, we might realize for the first time our souls have not been breathing as they ought There's been spaces in which we've not been living freely as we ought, as we step into some of Paul's teachings. So freedom truth, number one, that emerges in Galatians chapter 5. Jesus made you free. That's one of the first things Paul announces as he comes out of the gates in this chapter and is writing to them. And this is, by the way, when he turns the corner and starts to apply what he's been talking to them about. And he comes out and this is one of the first things he announces is that Jesus has made you free. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this truth does not simply apply to the Galatians thousands of years ago, but it applies to you. It is fully yours to claim Jesus has made you free. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you've never thought about it much. Maybe you didn't even realize that you needed a little bit of freedom. But regardless, whatever the case might be, the truth still stands. Jesus has made us free. Freedom is not just a thing we long for. Freedom is not just a thing we talk about. Freedom is a thing that Jesus has given us. And you saw that at the start of this chapter, the first phrase in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, where Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Christ has set us free. Christ has set us free. If we don't understand this, if we don't start with this, if we don't believe and start to take steps towards embracing this, our souls will not breathe and thrive in the kind of freedom that the scriptures invite us to. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and um, from a very, very early age, I can remember the gospel was shared with me, very clear terms. The offer of Jesus' forgiveness and his freedom was made to me. And I can vividly remember as a kid growing up, I understood the gospel. I can also vividly remember as a kid growing up that I deliberately looked at the gospel, evaluated the gospel, and said, nope, no thanks, not interested. Well, I'm interested in the whole forgiveness thing. I want some of that. But the reason I rejected the gospel was because I wanted nothing to do with a religion in which I would lose my freedom. No, thank you. 
No, thank you. I still remember, you know, um, even saying, like, maybe one day, because what I didn't want was to lose my freedom to chase after all the pleasures that I wanted to chase after and do all the things that I wanted to do. So I'd even say, like, maybe one day. I mean, when I'm pleasured out and when I've chased everything and then maybe I'm old and, you know, old and I don't enjoy anything anymore, then maybe I'll take that forgiveness. But right now, I'm not interested in this restrictive Religion. I'm not interested in Jesus coming into my life and restricting me from running after the pleasures I want. I'm not interested in Jesus coming into my life and obligating me to follow all of his ridiculous rules. So, no thank you. I can remember that most of my friends growing up rejected the gospel for the very same reason. Most of the people I know today who reject the gospel actually reject the gospel for that reason. I want to keep my freedom. Thank you very much. The tragic irony... I found was that while I thought I was free, I was actually born with chains. I was actually a captive, blind to my own chains the whole time I was screaming that I wanted to keep my freedom. I didn't understand Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Look at what it says. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So Adam sinned, and because of Adam's sin, every human being born after that down the ages has been contaminated by this disease called sin. We are all infected by it. But we're not just infected by the disease of sin. We prove that we are infected by the disease of sin by expressing the symptoms of choosing to sin. Little did I know I was not just a sinner. I was a sinner who chose to sin. The problem is the moment I choose to sin because I'm a sinner, the moment I choose to sin, I become obligated to die. God's world, God's rules. Paul says the very next chapter, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin... The wages of choosing to sin is death. Wages, by the way, um, is a word that, that means, it describes what's contractually owed to you. It's contractually owed to you. If you sin, death is contractually owed to you. If you do the work of sin, the wages of death are contractually owed to you. You are obligated to collect those wages. And so the tragic irony while I was growing up is I lived my life thinking I was free. And the whole time I was saying, I'm free and I don't want to give up my freedom. I couldn't see that there was a chain wrapped around my soul and tied to my grave beyond which I would have to collect the wages of death that were owed to me, that I was obligated to receive. So here I am saying, I'm free. And the scriptures teach very clearly, no, you're obligated to die. 
You're not free. There is something drawing you towards death, and it's just a matter of time. And there is nothing you can do to unshackle yourself from that chain. And by the way, if you don't know Jesus, as much as you might feel your soul is free, your soul is obligated to death. And if you were free, you wouldn't be obligated to anything. And yet here you are obligated to death, which means you are not free. There's at least one thing that owns you. There's at least one thing that owes you. And little did I know growing up that this was true about me. But besides my obligation um, to death, I was also just tragically restricted and just didn't know it. I thought I was free to chase after whatever pleasure I want. I would do what I want. I would chase whatever pleasure I want because I am free. And little did I know, I was actually a slave. I was actually unable to do anything other than chase after my pleasure and my impulses. Ephesians chapter 2 describes it very vividly. Chapter 1 says this. As for you, everyone sitting in this room, everyone sitting on this stage, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And again, freedom and dead, not the same thing. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's the devil. The spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, giving into the desires for pleasure in us, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were obligated to die. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This is such a sobering passage of Scripture, by the way. Right? I mean, I thought I was choosing my way because I'm free. And you read this and it says, no, you were actually going the devil's way. You were actually following his way. He was actually calling the shots. And you just didn't realize that you're restricted to what he wanted. No, I do what I want, I thought. While the whole time I was following the trends and I was following the patterns of the world, I was following the deep grooves. Isn't that the amazing thing? Like I think, no, no, you don't understand. I'm going to do some things that I want to do. You realize everybody else is doing that same thing. Everybody else is following the same grooves, doing the same things and feeling super unique and original. He said, no, you're following the pattern of the world. And frankly, you are restricted to follow any other pattern from following any other pattern. I thought I was free, but I was giving into my impulses and I could not say no to them. That's, by the way, always the interesting thing. When somebody says, I'm, I want to be free to do whatever I want. I want to be free. Well, okay, great. Are you free to not do that thing? Are you free to say no to it? No, because I want to. Okay, then try not to say no, just for two weeks. 
No, I can't say no because I want... No, and we don't realize the blindness with which we are owned by things and we're following in the grooves set by the devil and the pattern of the world. What I could not see, and it was really interesting, the whole time I thought I was free, there was this, this bungee cord, if you will, that was attached to my soul, and it went from my soul to this place of emptiness. And so what I would do is I would run to the three or four pleasures that made me believe I'm free because I can do all of these things. And so I would run to these three or four pleasures and I would enjoy them for a moment and then I would get yanked back into this place of emptiness where I was reminded that it wasn't satisfying, it wasn't working. And so I thought, hey, I'm free, so I'm going to try a different one today. And I'll get yanked back to this place of emptiness and then I'll try a different thing. Maybe if I try this and then I'll try the third thing, that it's just the groove worked out for me and I'll get yanked back to this place of emptiness the whole time saying I'm free when I'm latched onto a short cord being brought back and forth, back and forth, like the woman at the well, back and forth, but never being able to actually find satisfaction and never being able to go beyond it. I thought I was free, but I was a slave to pleasure and blind to it. That was true for all of us. We were sinners who sinned and couldn't stop, and we couldn't stop giving in, and we couldn't stop the consequences to which we were obligated, the consequences of death. My soul was suffocating. I was dying. And then Jesus showed up. And Jesus shows up and he makes this glorious announcement. Well, Isaiah originally made the announcement, but Jesus came and remade the announcement because the original announcement was about him. And so he made the announcement about himself in Luke chapter 4. Powerful. It says in verse 18, he got up and he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. That's different from the spirit who digs the grooves and calls the shots. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. That's the gospel. He has sent me, Jesus, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, those who don't even know that they're prisoners, and to set the oppressed free. I came to break every chain that restricted you from living in freedom. I came to break every chain that obligated you. And when Jesus went to the cross, this is the glory of the gospel. He did exactly what he said he came to do. Jesus climbed up on Calvary and he died in our place and he took our punishment. How glorious is the gospel. And as Jesus dies in my place and he, he takes my punishment, he's essentially taking the chain from around my soul and tying it to himself so that now he dies and I'm no longer obligated to death. I used to have to die, but Jesus came and broke that chain. I no longer have an obligation to death. I'm free from death. That is the freedom of forgiveness. And then when Jesus climbed up out of the grave, he opened the portals of heaven and he offered me 
everything that belongs to him. It says it's now yours. And in doing that, by the way, he broke the chain that restricted me to running to two or three pleasures like that's all there is in life. And he allowed me to see beyond all of the riches. I love the way Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says it. Look at this up here. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I did not want to come to Jesus because he was threatening to steal my two or three pleasures. I wish somebody would have just told me, oh, but do you know what he's going to give you in exchange? He's going to open up the portals and give you access to every heavenly pleasure imaginable, every heavenly blessing imaginable. So I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer stuck and owned by these two or three or four, whatever number it is. He set me free from running back and forth. That is the freedom of fullness in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when Paul starts Galatians chapter 5, he makes this announcement to the Galatians. Hey, you have to understand that Jesus has made you free. Not just from death, not just from empty pleasure, but he's made you free from every other chain of power that held you captive and kept you from living fully. Whatever power it is, whatever thing that attached you and restricted you and obligated you, Jesus came and on the cross he broke it so that you would be free. And Paul makes this announcement. And by the way, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus is really good at what he does. So if he goes to the cross to set us free, if he sets captives free and opens prisons doors, he is successful in doing that very thing. Which means if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are no longer obligated or restricted from living as you were created to live. Whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether you choose to embrace it or not, not, whether you believe it or not, you are free because Jesus has made us free. That is so huge for us to start to embrace, even as we step into the rest of this chapter, that every chain and every shackle that kept you from living the way he wants you to live and longs for you to live it's broken, which means every chain and every shackle in your life is now a lie. This is powerful. Every appetite that has you saying, I can't stop, is a lie. Because if you say, I can't stop, I'm obligated to give into that pleasure, then you are calling Jesus a liar, or at the very minimum, you're calling him incompetent. Thank you for your attempt at setting me free. But you didn't really succeed because there's at least six or seven other things that I'm not free from. No, the truth of the matter is that Jesus has set us free. From porn, he's set us free. He's severed the chains. From perfection, he's broken the bungee cord. From the need, desperate need for approval, he has set us free. From alcohol's power, he's set us free. 
from the social media must, 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 can't go to the bathroom without it. He has set us free from work to climbing the ladder to I must, you don't understand, I must, and I'm exhausted, but I must. He has set us free. And someone needs to just whisper that to their soul so that we might start believing that you are free. Jesus has set you free. I long for that truth to change my life this summer because I'm tired of living like Jesus didn't succeed at freedom. And it's hard to see us as a church live like Jesus kind of, fair attempt, Jesus, be for effort. And Paul would say, no, you've got to understand, Jesus successfully set us free. But Paul not only announces that Jesus has made us free, he announces that Jesus wants us free. Deep, deep, profound stuff, I realize, right? Because this feels like a, well, duh. I mean, wouldn't it stand to reason that if Jesus set us free, he set us free because he wants us free. That may be true, but the way he says it is so beautiful, so it bears mentioning. Jesus wants you free. Again, the first part of Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. This is so great. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. This is going to help someone. This is going to start to allow some of us to live in freedom and enjoy freedom just a little bit more. It is for freedom, it says, that Christ set us free. <laughs> That's so beautiful, is it not? I think it is. Um, I read this phrase again um, this past week, and it just occurred to me, and I chuckled to myself, like, it is for freedom that Jesus set us free. Okay, as opposed to what? Like, why would you even write that poem? Are you a child? Because I want to. It is because Jesus set us free for free, freedom. Um, like, okay, that, that does it, that, what does that even mean? Why else would Jesus set us free? And then I was like, why else would Jesus set us free? Why else would Jesus set us free? And then I was like, that's so good. No, that's not good. That is awesome. See, because I'm used to a world um, of clauses and conditions. I'm used to a world in which when someone does something epic for me, they do something epic for me so that I might do this, that, and the other. Wait a minute. Why did Jesus set us free? I know. Yes, you in the back, Paul. Uh, he set us free for freedom? Yes! That's why he set us free. This is such a glorious truth when we think about it. Wait, Jesus, you've come to remove restriction and you've come to remove obligation to make us free. Okay, so you've done that so that now we can go and do... Nope. No, 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 no. Not so you can go and do anything. I set you free so you'd be free. No, no, no. See, nothing works like that ever. So you set us free so that we can go out and change the world. No. I set you free so you can be free. No, okay, okay, no, no. You've set us free, and so now we owe, and we've got... No. I set you free for free so you can be free. The end. Oh, that's going to mess with somebody at lunchtime when you were like, wait a minute. He set me free just so I'd be free. 
How much must Jesus be for my freedom that he would come to secure my freedom just so I would be free? How much must Jesus love my freedom that he made freedom an end in and of itself, not a means to something else? Why did he do it? Because he wanted you free. Oh, that's going to start to mess with us. And by the way, this is going to be for us probably one of the most stretching things of going through this chapter. And I will get to that here in a second as we close. But some of you are already struggling. Connor, you can't talk like this. You can't talk like this because you've not done a good enough job making rules and making disclaimers and giving all of the... But you've got to... I'm not going to. You're free. Suck it up. No, but if you say that, do you know what the kids are going to do if you don't give them all of the... No. If I do that then I'm going to start to say you are free now so that you can and make another list of... No! He set you free because he wants you free. All right, you can sit with that for a few seconds. Um, and God, please make this an amening church one time so that Stacy and Jerry have some help um, in this place. But this is so Powerful. So powerful. In fact, the moment you start to believe he set you free so that you can do something other than be free, you start to lose the joy of freedom. You start to live with obligation again. So now I must. Nope. It was for freedom. Jesus set us free. No fine print, and some of you are going to struggle with that. In which you will start to find I trust more of his freedom. I want to grow to believe Jesus loves my freedom and he hates anything that gets in the way of my freedom. Again, we want to, add, want to just add a bunch of guardrails because we already start to be terrified of what we might do with it. So we don't even get to sit in it for long before we start to put boundaries around the freedom. And it's like, then that explains why we might not be experiencing or enjoying it. Okay, so uh, can we just reason together? If Jesus wants you free and Jesus has set you free, then does it not make sense how Paul wraps up this verse? Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I love that. Paul doesn't start to make rules or laws. He says that if Jesus has made you free, live free. If Jesus has made you free, live in it, stand in it, dance in it, enjoy it, he says. Stand in the freedom and do not let anything take you back to a place of obligation and restriction and slavery that makes all the sense in the world to me and some of you have heard you know the anecdotes about the you know the elephants at the circus you know um and how when they're little babies they will you know tie them with a little chain um to a stake in the ground uh, and they'll put a little ring around their foot and the elephant will be like uh 
uh, don't like being restricted. And so the elephant will obviously try and run off, but it's not strong enough, and it will just start to wound itself, and it will start to scar itself. And eventually it learns, like, when I try to run away, it hurts. So I'm going to stop trying to escape, and I'm just going to sit here. And the tragedy is this thing grows and becomes full-grown, and it can now yank a tree out of the ground by the roots. And yet here's this massive animal still held by the same little chain, by the same little pin. Why? Because it's learned, I, I can't. I can't. This is, this is who I am. This is who I've been. In the past when I've tried to break free, it hasn't worked. And I've tried over and over again and it hasn't worked. And so now I'm just going to submit to and give into this chain. And Paul would say, uh, uh, Jesus came, by the way, <laughs> and he broke the chain. You're no longer anchored to that pleasure. You're no longer anchored to that perfectionism. You're no longer anchored to the needs to have to please anybody. You're no longer anchored to anybody's approval. You are actually free. And Paul would say, if Jesus has set you free, he's successfully done so, just swing a little bit. Stand in the freedom. Experiment with it. Don't go crazy. And we'll talk about that next week. So relax for those of you who are like dying right now. Um, but Paul would say like, can you do this now? Yes, I can. Can you move out a little further? Yes, I can. Can I say no to those friends? Yes, I can. I'm no longer obligated to the things. And so Paul would say, if Jesus has set you free, then live free. Stand in the freedom. And here's what Paul is saying indirectly. Maybe Paul isn't saying this. I'm saying this. My interpretation of Paul. If there are places in your life in which you are still obligated and you're still restricted, that's not on Jesus. That's on you. Jesus has done his part. Paul would say, now it's your. Jesus has secured your freedom. Now, church, stand in it. Don't let anything shake you from it. Don't let anything lie to you and tell you it's not true about you. Stand in it. Jesus has done his job. Now you do yours. The only way you don't get to experience or enjoy freedom is if you go back and tie your foot to the stake. The only way I become a slave again is by voluntarily giving myself back to it. And Paul would say, don't do that. Don't do that. Stand firm in the freedom Jesus has given you. And so we want, as we study this, to grow into what does that look like? What does it look like to stand firm and, and, and to live in this freedom that's ours in Jesus? And so as we explore Galatians chapter 5, we'll start to get a sense of what does that mean? What does that look like? But for this morning, I just wanted to come and make an announcement. Jesus has made you free, and Jesus has made you free because he wants you free. And now what does it look like for you to enjoy and experience that freedom. But what I know is if we don't believe that Jesus has made us free, any of the other rules we talk about or any of the other things we discuss are going to be futile. In fact, if we don't believe Jesus has made us free, every other rule will just become a chain, including some of the commands of God. And you wonder why you hate obeying him. 
because you're not doing it out of freedom. You're doing it out of this obligation. I love what Paul says. I am the bond servant of Jesus. What do you mean? I am free and I went and I'd be like, hey, can I cling on to you though? Can I do everything you say? You've set me free and can I please hang out with a freer? And after a while, we start to realize, whoa, freedom is a big deal. That you don't stand up and you sing songs because we put cues up on the screen. And now you're going to be like, I have to sing because there are words on the screen. I have to stand because the worship leader said stand. Now because you're free. And the words are speaking about the one who set you free. And you're like, I wish I could reach high enough. I wish I could sing loud enough. Out of freedom, not out of obligation. Something powerful starts to happen, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord might do in our midst. John, come on out, man. I don't know where you are, but I know you're back there somewhere. Um, John Hoover, um, by the way. Um, <laughs> some of you got that. That's good. Um, can we make a pact as a church? Can we at least even just start by no longer talking about getting free? or being free, you know, set free from something. And I realize that's just language. But what we need to do is remind each other, "Mm -mm -mm, child, you're already free. You just need to live like it. You are already free. Jesus didn't fail. Can we start to call each other to stand in the freedom that's ours, to claim the freedom that's ours in Jesus Christ, reminding each other, no, 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 no. I know it's hard to say no to that thing, but its power is a lie. It's been disarmed. You've been set free. Um, Again, I was so tempted to start to add disclaimers to this, and the Spirit would not let me. No, just announce freedom. But what might people do with it? Hopefully enjoy it. What's the Spirit saying to you? How do you need to respond today, not tomorrow? And maybe it's just to declare that over your life. And maybe it's to go back to that thing that has felt like it's got ownership and power over you and just to declare, I'm free from you in Jesus. Maybe for some of us it's a relationship we need to go to and just... I'm going to stand this time, and I'm going to need some help from my brothers and sisters to stand in the truth that I am free and I'm no longer obligated or under restriction. I don't know what the Spirit is inviting you to do, how the Spirit is inviting you to respond. Maybe you've never been forgiven of your sin. Maybe there's still a chain around your soul attached to the grave after which you will experience the consequences of death. And I'm here to announce a chain breaker is in the house and he is willing to break the chain and you get to experience the freedom of forgiveness. I don't know how the Spirit is calling you to respond, what is calling you to declare, what truth is calling you to affirm, what lie is calling you to condemn in the freedom of Jesus. But I want to invite you to respond to whatever it is he's doing. Don't put it off. Don't say, I'll do it another time. Let's together start to take steps towards freedom. What's your first step towards enjoying the freedom Jesus has secured. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close. And uh, you notice I said invite, and we will constantly say that, meaning you don't have to. And no one is going to come through the aisles and say, why aren't you standing? Did you not hear the words up there? You don't have to ever stand. You don't have to sing. 
but we'll continue to invite you to sing. We'll continue to invite people to life in Christ. And so I want to invite you to just respond to the Spirit, whether it's to pray where you are. Um, if leaders, small group leaders, elders, if you guys would please make your way up front right now, that would be helpful. If anyone wants to just pray and agree with someone and have some ground taken back and claim some truths with somebody, agree with somebody about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, we would invite you, come on up, pray with somebody, mark this moment. Don't let it pass by. So even as the rest of us sing, if you believe the words that are on the screen, and if he is what these words say, and he's done what these words have said, I'd invite you to sing freely to him. But make your way up, and then we'll be dismissed afterwards, and next steps will be happening after this service. So let's sing together, and then we'll be dismissed. Again, feel free to come on up and pray with somebody as you need to.